Centuries ago, in Tremaine Castle, a forbidding stone fort at Gilsland in the north of England, the six-year-old heir to the throne had gotten into some kind of mischief, as little boys do. But his punishment was brutal and unforgiving. That night, his wicked guardian dragged him from bed and locked him into an empty attic room without blankets or fire to keep him warm, though it was in the dead of winter. And there his guardian left him and forgot he was there. Wearing only a thin nightshirt against the bitter sub-zero cold, the poor little boy endured the slow agony of freezing to death. In the centuries since, his pitiful, nightgowned figure had been seen wandering the long, dark corridors of the castle, haunting any living soul. Teeth chattering, his thin, frostbitten body violently shivering from head to toe, the boy's ghost rattles the doorknobs of each chamber door, desperate to be let in where it's warm. And as he walks, he moans over and over. Cold, cold, forever cold. If he finds an unlocked door, he'll hover by the sleeping person's bedside and softly whimper until they would wake to the wretched sound. If the sleeper is descended from his guardian's lineage, the ghost would reach out to lay his small, icy hand on their flesh and whisper, Cold, cold, forever cold, and you simply cold forever From whichever part of the body he touched, a cancerous disease would bloom and grow that would soon take them down into death. Their fevered pain eased in the end by the touch of the cold lad of Gilsland. Today, only fragmentary ruins of Tremaine Castle remain, and the last of his wicked guardian's descendants are long gone, down to the last drop of family blood. I'm Diane Ladley, named by other storytellers as America's Ghost Storyteller. And this is Hysteri, my monthly podcast series of history's eeriest true ghost stories. If you like what you hear, won't you subscribe to Hysteri and maybe take a moment to rate and review this episode? Hysteri is free, but if you'd like to help keep it going, click the links in the episode notes to give either a monthly sponsorship on Patreon.com or one-time donation on PayPal. As I record this episode, today's high temperature is minus 13 degrees Fahrenheit, a record low for a high temperature in Chicago. How fitting, then, that the poor ghosts in this episode, entitled Cold, Cold, Forever Cold, all died from freezing to death. Just a heads up, the theme of this episode is definitely the darkest, hardest, and most terrible to date. It is not for younger or more sensitive listeners. For this is hysteria. It's history of the end of innocence. Of all the various haunts, specters, and wraiths that fill the supernatural lore of all the cultures in history, none terrify people more than the ghosts of dead children. From the twin girls standing in the hotel's hallway in Stephen King's The Shining, to the alien children with all black eyes begging to be let inside your car, to the duens of folklore in the jungles of Trinidad with their backward feet and faces as smooth and blank as eggs, we are obsessed in our terror of creepy dead children. Why is that? 
Maybe because nothing is more disturbing to the core of our souls than the death of a child. Or maybe because nothing makes us more willing to open up our hearts and homes to an innocent, helpless child, making us dangerously vulnerable to those creatures who should only live in our nightmares. There's also a third reason why ghost children might haunt people into insanity. A guilty conscience. Over the next few monthly episodes, we'll explore each of these reasons, since this is, unfortunately, a very large and extensive topic. Today we'll start with this last reason why ghost children scare us so. The haunting sense of parental guilt. It's inconceivable to us today, but up until 80 years ago or so, nearly half of all children born alive would die before their fifth birthday. Considering that until the 20th century, the average family had seven to 10 surviving children, plus an equal or greater number of miscarriages and infant deaths, women of all cultures were encouraged to not get emotionally attached to their babies until they reached age five. Disease and poor nutrition were the worst killers, but it's a hard, horrible fact that for most of human history, infanticide was a common, accepted, even legal method of family planning. In hard times when food was very scarce, or if the newborn child was sickly or disabled, or when the mother was not married, societies around the world looked the other way when that infant would suddenly vanish one night either taken out into the forest and abandoned to the weather and wild animals, or murdered at the hands of a relative, even its own mother. Strangely, different cultures appear to have their own preferred methods of infanticide. In sub-Saharan Africa, it was pounding them with heavy clubs or live burial, while in China, drowning was the method of choice. Often the overwhelming guilt is eased by comforting superstitions that the baby wasn't a real human. It was a, a changeling, a witch baby, or spirit child. As such, their lives could be ended without guilt, as long as it hadn't yet been baptized or breastfed. A grieving mother who was forced to abandon her baby might imagine that someone else will find them, take pity, and raise them as their own. They might even imagine that foster mother could be an animal, like the wolf in the legend of Romulus and Remus, or the story of Mowgli in the Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling. Fortunately, especially in ancient Greece, people often roamed the hills outside of cities looking for abandoned newborn babies to adopt. Not out of altruism, but to sell them into slavery once they were old enough. But fantasy stories were often not enough to soothe the mother's guilt. Legend is rife with ghosts of unwanted, murdered babies crying forlornly from underneath the bridges they had been tossed from, like the Crybaby Bridge in Alderson, Oklahoma, or the heart-wrenching sobs emitting from the chapel in Little Moreton Hall in Cheshire, England. But the most frightening stories were of those infants who rise up to take vengeance on not just their parents, but on the society that condemned them to die. One such legendary horror is called an utbert, an Old Norse word that means child carried outside. As if to compensate for its helplessness during the short hours of their lives, utberts were said to grow in supernatural strength to match their boundless hate and rage. Legend tells of one fishing village 
huddled on the coast of a fjord in Norway that was suddenly haunted by something awful that wailed and wandered among the huts of the community. Residents would wake in terror in their beds at the sounds of thin, high-pitched screaming, shuffling, pitter-patting of footfalls circling round and round their huts, and a low scratch, scratch, scratching at their wooden door. This thing assaulted each house in the village in turn until one night when it finally found the house where it had been born. In the small hours of the night, the husband was awakened by the restlessness of the sheep that shared the family hut, their fleecy body heat keeping it warm in the frigid Arctic night. His children and wife slept deep in dreams, nestled together in the same bed for extra warmth. His keen eyes finally picked out what had disturbed the sheep. A thin wisp of vapor, uncoiling up from the keyhole and sinking lazily to the floor, glimmering uncannily like bare skin in the moonlight. He watched, transfixed, as the vapor manifested into a humanoid form, naked skin glowing blue with cold, ribs starkly outlined in its withered torso, tiny toothless mouth open and suckling in starving hunger. The sheep frantically scrambled away from this spectral abomination as it crawled across the straw-strewn floorboards towards their bed, then up onto the blankets. Its wide, filmy blue eyes locked onto his own, and he was shocked to recognize it as his own infant boy that they had left out to die on the glacier ice one year before. A hyperventilating gasp beside him told him his wife was now awake and recognized her son too as it groped its way toward her. Finally jolted into action, the husband grabbed at the tiny figure, but he pulled away with a scream as the hard, cold entity burned his hands like the freezing, unforgiving glacier ice they had abandoned it on. As it slowly crawled up over her legs and belly, just like that glacier, the immense weight of the ghost crushed his mother's bones inch by inch. The little arms reached up to her face, two tiny grasping hands churning at her eye sockets, and she screamed as it gouged out her eyes, blood welling up and spilling over the pillow. Vengeance satisfied, for now the apparition vanished. But for many years afterward, its pattering feet and thin, high cries continued to haunt the villagers' nightmares. I know, I know, I could hear you saying, Diane, this is all folklore and legends. But this is history, history's eeriest true ghost stories. Where's the true history? Uh, don't worry, I'm coming to it. First, remember that every legend, every ghost story, is rooted in fact. Children were left to die, that is the fact. But the horrifying Utbert monster may well have been first devised as a creative way to encourage new mothers to turn to the government for financial help in bad times, instead of killing their newborns. Ghost stories were, and still are, an effective way to change behavior when formerly moral choices of old became immoral acts in better times. With access to modern medicine and reliable, affordable contraceptives, the child mortality rate continues to drop drastically all around the world with much smaller, more sustainable family sizes. Sadly, every legend also has superstitious fools who fully believe in it 
and sick psychopaths who make money off it. In the ancient lore of Thailand, there is the Kuman Thong, or Golden Boy. These are sacred artifacts of stillborn or aborted babies, though the best, most powerful are fetuses taken from murdered women, as the original legend goes. These fetuses are slowly dry-roasted over a fire, oiled with fat drippings extracted from the cooked fetus, and finally covered with lacquer and gold leaf, each step ritually performed by a witch doctor or sorcerer. Unlike the vengeful Utbard of Norse mythology, the Kuman Thong are believed to be adopted by the sorcerer, with the gratitude and love of these aborted children granting him immense power to willingly assist him in his black magic and grant good fortune. That's the legend. And here's the true history. In 2011, a man in Laos was arrested for murdering his pregnant wife in order to create a Kuman Thong for himself. And on May 18, 2012, Chow Hock Quinn, a 28-year-old British citizen of Taiwanese descent, was arrested in a Bangkok hotel room with suitcases stuffed with six male fetuses roasted and covered in gold. He had advertised them on a website and planned to sell them to rich Asian businessmen for about $6,300 each. Since it was unclear as to where he acquired the fetuses, he could only be charged with hiding dead bodies, and his punishment was only one year in jail. Some crimes are so freakish, so utterly unthinkable, that there are no laws on the books to cover them. Okay, I think that's about enough of this disturbing topic that I could take for one episode. That works out nicely in regards to my New Year's resolution to trim down the length of these episodes a bit. 30 minutes is like an entire research thesis and documentary production combined every month. And with my disability, it's pretty hard on me physically. So over the next few episodes of Hysteria, we'll continue to explore the other two reasons why child ghosts affect us more profoundly than any other phantom. Next month being February and Valentine's Day, we'll look at those child ghosts resulting from tragedies of a mother's love and of mothers who lack love. Then in March, we'll finish up with true accounts of people's brush with entities that may or may not be departed children, including the recent very disturbing encounters with the so-called black-eyed children reported in both Staffordshire, England and in a bank parking lot on North First Street in Abilene, Texas. Hysteria is written, researched, and produced by me, Diane Ladley, America's ghost storyteller. Like my podcast? Then please click the subscribe button to automatically get new free episodes once a month. Won't you also take a sec to give Hysteria a five-star rating and maybe write a quick review? You don't have to write anything epic, just I really like this podcast. Though, I admit, reading some of the words of praise makes me a very happy lady. <laughs> These little things you could do are all important in getting Hysteria featured in Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Thank you for these little things you could do to help me achieve it. Want to help more? Excellent. You could help me create more episodes of Hysteria for as little as $1 a month as my artistic sponsor on Patreon.com or as a one-time donor on PayPal starting at just $2. It's easy and secure. I've included links in the notes for this episode, or just go to hysteria.com and click the Send Diana Tip link. I gratefully welcome and appreciate every single dollar. Regular listeners and the friends on my Hysteria Facebook page will know that 
I couldn't post the last episode because I couldn't afford my podcast provider's annual hosting and website fee. It would have been the end of hysteria. But many of you opened up your hearts and pockets in a flood of support, rescuing all my creative work that I love so much and want so badly to share with all of you. Very, very special thanks to Mark D. of Palm Springs, California, Judy S. of Bellingham, Washington, Mike M. of San Francisco, California, Yvonne H. of Denver, Colorado, and from Illinois, Ben R. of Woodstock, Tom W. of Crystal Lake, Jennifer A. of Oak Park, and Craig and Margie G. of Lombard. And to all those who expressed wonderful words of support and kindness, I'm humbled and grateful beyond words for your generosity. Thank you. Thank you all. I love you guys. And lastly, thank you, dear podcast listener, for tuning in to Hysteria. It's history of the end of innocence. <laughs>